Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Our first reading this morning is a reading from Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 4 and 22 31. Listen as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads. By the gates at the entrance to the town, on the road leading in, she cries aloud, I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. The Lord formed me from the beginning, before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past, at the very first, before the earth began. I was born before the oceans were created, before the springs bubbled forth their waters, before the mountains were formed, before the hills I was born, before he had made the earth and fields and the first handfuls of soil. I was there when he established the heavens, when he drew the horizon on the oceans. I was there when he set the clouds above, when he established springs deep in the earth. I was there when he set the limits of the seas so they would not spread beyond their boundaries. And when he marked off the earth's foundations, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight in rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created how I rejoiced with the human family. Our second reading is from Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He'll tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. May be seated. 
So did you guys notice it's a festival day? I know, Holy Trinity Sunday. You're not wearing your tri-corner party hats. I've noticed, which is strange because it's Trinity Sunday. But when, uh, You must have forgot, but when you found out today, I know what you were thinking. I got you pegged. Y'all were thinking, self, it's going to be a good day because it's Trinity Sunday. Yes, we will finally get to really dig in deep to the perichoretic nature of our triune God, right? Right? That sacred dance of Holy Trinity, right? That holy jig of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're going to sort it out, folks. We're going to dig in deep. Today's great because we're going to sort out again the relationships of the three person of the Godhead. Just as Jürgen Moltmann before us, we are going to be regular Miroslav Volfs, folks. That's what you were thinking. Yep, you were thinking that. I, you will be able to express with extreme clarity, just like C. Baxter Kruger, that ha, not at all heretical understanding, interpretation of the interpenetration of these three figures in one. One plus one plus one equals one. We're going to get it today, folks. That's what you were thinking. No, that's right. No, you weren't. If you were, God bless you. God bless you. God needs all of us. But uh, Trinity Sunday, right? It's a big deal considering how often we use the term. We drop Father, Son, Holy Spirit all the time in here. We say it in confessions. We say it in our prayers. We say it when we bless one another. It's said all the time. It's a big deal. It was such a big deal that in the very beginning, after Jesus' ascension, for years following, as people were drawn to this story of death and resurrection and of new life and of hope, that they thought, you know, we really got to start organizing how we talk about this stuff. Especially these three figures that seem to come up in all of his teaching. The reason being that if God is God, and God speaks in our stories from mountaintops, in fog, in crushing silence, in burning bushes, and is somehow other, and then we have Jesus, who was literally like right there, and he is of one being, and he says, whatever I have comes from God, God and I are the same. And then before he left, he said, don't worry, I'm going to give you my spirit. A spirit we just read has been around since before dirt was invented. Then what are we to do with these three things? What are we to do? How do we do it? And I know a lot of folks, young and old, great disciples of Jesus who go, I do struggle with why we give so much attention to this three-in-one thing. Doesn't it kind of put God in a box? I mean, is it as, is it as simple as one plus one plus one equals one? I mean, is it? I don't know. I get it. What's the importance of it? But truth be told, I am very grateful for the work of the church in sussing this out and talking about this way that even Jesus references the Spirit, his Father, and him, the Anointed One. This vocabulary has given us a lot of help in kind of, I think, understanding Maybe a more full understanding of God's character. That's important, right? To understand God's character. Jesus hopes his disciples will imitate him, right? That's the idea. A, A disciple is to be no greater or less than, but to be like their teacher. That's the hope. Imitating them in words and works in ways. So knowing that we would like to be followers of Jesus Christ, we should be like him, maybe. It'd be important that we understand the character of Jesus. Because the character of Jesus is, in essence, the identity of our God. 
since he again has claimed all of his words, all of his ways, these are given to him from God. So can we agree? A poll, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Should we be doing our best to imitate the character of God? Hands up if yes. Oh, I got you now. You all did it. I saw it. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. I got more to say about that then. You stepped in it. Okay, so um, we know this then. What would you argue is really at the heart of Jesus' character? At the heart of his teachings, he has this word, this thing that we often ascribe to Jesus. In fact, I'll give you a hint. He's, someone asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, it's to love. Love God. Love, even greater still, your neighbor. Love. Love, right? Love your neighbor. That's expressed in everything he teaches. Turn the other cheek, right? Forgiveness? How many times, Lord? Well, do you love them? Well, I guess. Well, then it's 70 times 7 times. That's how many times you forgive them. Woofa doofa, that's a lot of forgiveness. You're supposed to welcome the stranger. And not just welcome him. Welcome him in love. You set a table. The sinner. You are to love him. You're to welcome them. You're to even have dinner with them. In fact... You're supposed to love so much that in the example of Jesus, we're called to flip tables that mean to separate the love of God from those in need. Flip the tables right over. We're called to destroy, to get out of the way. The gates of hell shall not prevail against this, right? Nothing stands in the way of the love of Jesus Christ for all people. We will never throw money in a treasury when we could be feeding the hungry because love compels us to care now. Eat your meals with tax collectors. Bless the sick. Heal the broken. Set the captives free. Live a life in love that so boldly proclaims that you are indeed, absolutely, no doubt, a sinner, but a sinner of God's own redeeming because of Jesus' love. We get to taste and see when we gather at a table of mercy. When they hate and revile you, you love them. Forgive them, Lord. They don't know what they're doing. A very common one, it's, it's so common it's on bumper stickers, folks. God is love. And love is wild. It's wild because it lets you care for others. With all your heart, despite the fact that everyone has their failings, everyone makes missteps, we can feel betrayed by one another. Love's when you see a loved one fail and make a mistake, and for not one moment do you love them any less. Of course not. Love's what you feel, and I know this one, when your, your little one literally shouts at you, they're so angry, and you know, ooh, they're having a hard time. You know it. You know they're doing it to you because they know you love them, and you're still going to be there after they're done shouting at you. That's love. Love is wild like that. Love is that kind of thing that when someone you love makes bad choices that even hurts you or hurt others, you know that deep down within them, something hurts in them as well. Something is broken. And you know that hurt very well. And though you're disappointed and things may change in the relationship, never for an instant do you love them any less. Even when your heart is broken, somehow it still manages to hold love. Love for one another. It's the thing we see on the cross when Jesus forgives the people who crucify him. Forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. I would say love, this kind of love that never quits, this love that never falters, 
This love that's always there is perhaps, no, matter of fact, it's the most powerful and resilient thing in all of creation. It's a perfect thing to ascribe to God. Because it never gives up, it never quits. Nothing can destroy it. And that's when we get a glimpse of that character of God. It's why there's sayings like, in God there is no darkness at all. Because it's the same for love. A proposition I'd like to make about the Trinity, whether it be about relationships or a dance or something about perichoresis, the character of God, it is beyond clear that God revealed in Christ and that is still moving amongst us and these examples of love we can all think of make it clear. God is love, period. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He doesn't know, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. God doesn't repay our transgressions according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed those transgressions from us. That's beautiful, right? That's powerful. So I wonder why in our hearts so often we can become so preoccupied with God's wrath or God's judgment. Because I would argue we're in a good vibe now with love. I think we wouldn't be surprised to find out how many times we're thinking about God's judgment and wrath. A confession. I am an extrovert who likes being around people. <laughs> Believe it. It's true. I know. I know. It's wild to come to it. Um, that means I'm kind of like a Labrador retriever. If there's a group of people, I'm like, hey, everyone, what are we doing in here? What's happening? You know, tails wagging. I'm outdoors. I'm thrilled. And I bring myself into groups of people pretty regularly. And by that, it means I get to hear a lot of conversations about people. And a lot of times when I kind of weasel my way in there to listen, um, I find a lot of times we talk about things that don't work, things that aren't good, things that are frustrating, particularly ways that people are doing things wrong. Oh boy, do we have a lovely rich tapestry we could weave of all the frustrating things our neighbors do. Can't we? Let's start. No, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna. Um, I don't mean about a task. I mean, there's just about people doing life. I fall into it. We become obsessed. The worst one you ever hear is, you know what's wrong with blank generation? Well, come on. That's a little ridiculous. A whole generation? Really? That's not fair. You know what's wrong with people from this side of town? You know what's wrong with people from this state? You know what's wrong with people who have this political persuasion? You know what's wrong with people who think like this or do like that? Oh my goodness, we can get into that thing and it's despicable. Because what we're doing admittedly is venting our frustrations that someone could be so bold as to do something different than what we thought we should do. Whoa! Wild! Because what that does is frustrate us because sometimes they do something we think is wrong we're like, hey, that's not fair. Them's not in the rules. I didn't do that. You don't get to do that. Or it's something like, well, I didn't know that was a thing, and this is kind of throwing my understanding into chaos, and just so you know, I've spent my whole life trying to group my stuff together, and you've really messed it up by doing something I didn't know was something you could do. I don't like it. Trying to get our hands around someone that could possibly think different from us. I heard a wild one. Um, This is an example of kind of just one, so don't get too upset. I picked this one because of the word itself. Um, Did you guys know it's always election season now? I know, forever. 
Never stops. Lots of proposals of new things we're going to do. Um, a recent one that I heard was uh, about student loan debt forgiveness, because we got a big debt issue of student loan debt forgiveness. And as a recent student and a selfish person, I love it. I love that idea. I understand there are issues with logistics. Um, but when I hear frustration towards that idea, it's funny, I don't hear as many concerns about the logistics of it. The first thing you hear if someone's really opposed to that idea is, whoa, 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 whoa. I had to pay my debts, and it was terrible. And you're, you have to go through that too. Coincidentally, sometimes we say that about confirmation too. <laughs> Listen, my confirmation was terrible and scary. I want it terrible and scary for the kids too. I had to speak in front of my whole church. They should do it too. It's weird, right? We're talking about forgiveness, and at the same time we're saying, oof, I don't like the sound of that. Because that is quite literally the parable of the workers in the field. Some get paid the same as the others, despite how hard they worked. And boy, howdy, are they frustrated with mercy. Mercy is irritating. It gets so irritating because I suffered. You should too. I didn't like it. You shouldn't like it either. It's really just violence for violence. It's strange. We're so opposed to forgiveness. It's weird, because I'd argue in that situation, we're less than excited about someone receiving mercy that we ourselves did not receive. Because if they received mercy and we didn't, then that is unfair. Which I would also argue is very much like a cross. A bit unfair. What happens to this God we follow and want to imitate? A lot of unfair things happen to him. A lot. We crucify him anyways, even though he desperately tried to dissuade us from a culture that would put people on crosses when things get feeling unfair. Wrath, judgment, the crucifixion, it's about keeping things honest and fair. The law. And sadly, I worry that that's the kind of God we like sometimes. Power is found in punishment and keeping it fair. You hear that when we say, God will sort it out. God will sort it out. We say to ourselves, when we feel something's unfair and not right, God will sort it out in the end, right? True. If I ask the question, how do you think that judgment's going to go if we're looking at the character of Jesus? You raised your hand about Jesus being like love and we're to imitate love. Do you see an example where Jesus puts his hand over a whole bunch of people who we just can't stand and go, get rid of them? Right? Hard to fathom. Hard to fathom. No, we know Jesus from the cross. His words exactly. My heart is broken. God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they've done. The lesson I'd like to share today, truthfully, is in this identity of the Trinity, which we confess to regularly, I think often we're preoccupied with a strange character, a narrow vision of God that just very conveniently often fits our own desires. The God of judgment is a powerful element of God's character, but particularly powerful when we are feeling self-righteous. At our least Christ-like, and remember, we raised our hand, we want to be like him, at our least Christ-like, when we've determined that someone, something is wrong, because we know the difference between good and evil, right? We bit the fruit. We ate from the tree. We know the knowledge of good and evil. We did that wrong thing. We know. 
When we've determined someone's wrong, we have a tendency to quickly remember the element of God's character that perfectly matches our own wrath. The God of judgment. We'll confess with all sincerity that, oh, I don't judge. But then with violence on our tongue, we utter violence against our neighbors and say, but God certainly will. Woof. That's worshiping a God of wrath. That's giving thanks for the God of judgment. Despite the fact that such a character quality doesn't really conform with Jesus, if we're being honest. Today's Trinity Sunday. Today is about God's identity, and that means it's about our identity as well. Most importantly, it's about his relationship to the identity and how we treat and care for one another. That is very much on Jesus' agenda, that we care and love one another. We're called to be like our God, called to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving throughout this place in the world, allowing us to hear these words. But I hope we don't just hear it here. I hope we hear it here too. God is love. It's changing us. And if we're going to define God, God is love. That's the character of God. God is love. Who are we? Who are we? I think it's love. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.